You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? Welcome to episode 18 of Untapped Keg. I'm RJ Zimmerman, here with my brother-in-law, Monte Ball. How you doing, fella? I'm good. Doing well. Alive and well. Um, glad, man. Glad to get this uh, the next episode up and running. So so I'm feeling good. How you been? I'm good. I'm um, tired. Kids mm. don't, don't want to sleep completely. Uh, youngest is a walker now. So actually <laughs> he's been giving us, you know, six straight hours of sleep for the first time in over, uh, almost 11 months. So that's been nice this week. He's just um, a walking all over, huh? He's showing everybody that new skill without <laughs> saying it. He's doing the, look at me, look at me, look what mm-hmm. I can do. <laughs> Oh my goodness, it happened so fast. Yep. So fast. It seemed like he was just it's it's so weird how that happens. He was just struggling like five days ago to take more than like five steps. Then at least, you know, when I when I would, you know, see him, but then all of a sudden, boom, like two days ago, it's just there he goes. Walking fifteen to twenty feet like it's nothing. He he walks further than that now. He'll go <laughs> he'll go back and forth. <laughs> and he can turn around. Uh, yeah, he, he he tries chasing after his older brother, but then sometimes his older brother will be standing there waiting for him, and he'll turn around and come back instead of going to him, uh, which breaks his older brother's heart. But it's got to be nicer to him. So It's exciting, man. That's exciting. They grow up fast. And, yeah, you and my sister, you guys got your hands full. Jesus. Hey, yes, he's already opening doors, um, so that's fantastic. No peace. Nope. No peace in this household. <laughs> um, it begins. But, you know, with the, when the quarantine started, he was, I think he had just started crawling. Like, right at the beginning of March, I'm pretty sure. Um, maybe he was crawling a little bit before that. Um, but. He'd been pulling himself up pretty much as soon as he started crawling. He was pulling himself up on stuff. Mm -hmm. And he looked like he was getting more brave. So, Ashley and I were telling people, you know, before before this quarantine's over, he's going to be walking. Well, my parents and my sister still haven't seen him. So, he was walking before they got to see him again, which is a little bit sad. Mm -hmm. But... That's how long. That's how long it took. You know, that's how quick it happens too. But it's how long. I'm super fast. Was. Super fast, man. Well, that's like I said. You guys got your hands full, so we <laughs> we're gonna stand by and just laugh at your guys' text messages because he's gonna be getting into everything. <laughs> yeah, and especially with an older brother to uh, make the path easier for him, it's gonna be <laughs> uh, it's gonna be a battle every day. Already mm-hmm. was a battle every day. So, so, uh, 
Yeah, what's new with you? What do you got? Yeah, man. Uh, Another announcement. I know, man. I know. It's so I, you know, just been really getting some stuff done, taken care of. And I think one thing I always wanted to do, and I finally did it, kind of a next step in the sobriety journey. Because um, I think something like this holds, holds me accountable. Um, and it's, uh, you know, becoming a certified recovery coach. Um, I completed the, what, I think it's 30, yep, 30 hours of that. And now be, I am a certified recovery coach, which in a nutshell is, um, you know, I can hold my own one-on-one sessions with recoveries. Um, it's pretty much like a notch above, a, you know, being a sponsor in a sense. Um, it's, it's, like I said, it holds me accountable. I can help others to, you know, kind of, you know, create some short-term goals for them, some long-term goals, help them to uh, sustain their sobriety or help them to, to become sober. Um, it's just an awesome opportunity to really get to meet people, to continue to build a, sob- a sober community around myself, um, but also, like I said, to bring others along the way. So it's, uh, again, something that really holds me accountable. Um, and also, too, it's, it's just a uh, another way to give back and just another milestone, um, in this journey, man. Well, congratulations. Appreciate um, it. You know, once again, your sister and I are proud of you. <laughs> appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate it. It's, it's fun. It's, it's awesome. It's the whole zoom thing. So we did it virtually, of course. Um, that was draining in itself, but most definitely worth it. Um, and I'm going to start getting to work on that. That's awesome. It's funny, too, because I asked uh, my supervisor, um, kind of, you know, spoke to her on the side. And I was like, so now that I'm a certified recovery coach, like, what do I do? Do I just announce it and, like, <laughs> and build my own clientele list or something? And pretty much, like, not really, obviously, you know being employed under Wisconsin Voices for Recovery. They're just going to take care of that for me, and then I'll, I'll be able to to get some recoveries through them. But again, long story short, just an awesome opportunity to, to continue to give back. So most definitely appreciate uh, you and my sister's, sister's kind words, man. So anybody listening, if they need a recovery coach, please reach out. We can get this started. <laughs> well, I mean, now you can uh... – kind of lead the podcast uh more professionally here right <laughs> technically yeah i can finally put some letters after my name so <laughs> it could be monte ball comma crc certified recovery coach which yeah i guess we can you know really start pulling some people in and you know clinically speaking uh, i can speak about some things <laughs> yeah Your words hold a little bit more weight now. Me, it's still all BS. It's all right. (laughs) I'm just just pulling it out of places. It's all smoke and mirrors. The CRC is just a few letters. It's it's still the best recovery coaches. I think the best counselors. I honestly think the best therapists are the ones who've gone through it, Um, have some of their own personal background in, in recovery and the ones who are the most down to earth. So, so n- nope, I won't be speaking clinically. It's going to be all <laughs> BS and just 
shooting the shooting the crap um, here on this podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying because being able to um, bring things down to people's terms, being able to relate experiences and um, tell, you know, people are more willing to open up and listen when you right. realize what you're experiencing, they have also experienced. Like w- once you get to 20 years old, you should start to see that other people are going through what you're going through. Other people have gone through what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they've felt what you felt. <clears throat> I know as a teenager, when we're, I'm speaking from experience here, um, I'm not talking about anybody else, but uh, I always felt like, well, how could they experience what I'm feeling? Like only I can feel what I'm feeling and you've never experienced anything like this. And that hubris makes you feel like, or not makes you feel it, but that hubris is uh, that nobody else has felt what you feel. Like I was definitely not mature enough to realize that when people were telling me stories, they felt the same way that I was feeling. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just, being able to relate to people and, and feel, um, you know, I've, I've felt that I understand that like that's, that's a skill that you should use in your life for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, uh, from, yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you nailed it right on the head because it's, you know, I always think back to whenever I started my journey and I went to therapy, I actually, my, my, therapy therapist or counselor i always forget what his credentials are <laughs> that wasn't the important part the important part was just how relatable his story was to mine and this was an individual who is in recovery long term recovery i think about 20 years um from all kinds of drugs and it was just awesome to sit across from him and they kind of pour everything out to him because he really understood it and i mean I, this is not just someone as well who was in re- just in long-term recovery, he, he understood what it was like to, you know, be up on stage and all that stuff because he, uh, toured a bit with Metallica. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So he understood, um, what it was like just to be in the limelight, you know what I mean? To be on the tour bus, to, to be around, you know, alcohol and drugs, and then to just have the wrong crowd around you all the time. And, I mean, he just really understood it, how, you know, early on in recovery, I was missing partying and he was like, oh my goodness, I can most definitely relate to that. So it was just cool to, to kind of have that. And so, yeah, I'm pretty much just echoing exactly what you said. It's just the ones who just compassion and, and empathy are just the two main skills that one needs <laughs> to become a recovery coach, a therapist or, or a counselor, in my opinion. Most definitely, most definitely. Uh, do you still miss partying? Uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said no. Um, I, I wouldn't say like I, I yearn for it. I like need it in my life. Um, but there is weird. that feeling, right? Because yeah, I you said that, and it's like <clears throat> I yeah, I it's... miss I miss going out. You know. And- <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. It's uh, it's like I don't I don't miss you know I I'll be honest I don't miss drinking I don't miss being drunk or being hungover 
I guess I just miss for me, and I'm just going to be very candid here. A lot of my alcoholism came from my ego. Um, I enjoyed being the center of attention. Um, I don't know what void I was trying to fill, but I loved being the center of attention. I loved all the attention on me while I was partying. So I don't know if I miss. So I think I, I think I may miss that, which is sad to say, but, but obviously it's, it's, I'm always going to be in recovery. I'll never be recovered. So it's just another process that I got to obviously work myself through and, 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 uh, and just accept, you know, accepting that emotion, that feeling. Um, but it's, yeah, yeah. I guess I miss it a little bit. How about yourself? Yeah. I, you know, s- sometimes I definitely miss, uh, you know, getting, getting a group together and going out and the goal is just to have a good time. I don't mm-hmm. miss all of my memories being cloudy. I don't miss my, <laughs> my mind being, um, fuzzy. Even, right. even, you know, the next couple of days, sometimes it, it'd be fuzzy. And mm-hmm. I didn't completely understand that till I went sober and then trying to come to terms like, you know, I've, we've talked about this before, but like with emotions, like what, what was I trying to drown out? Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, it kind of was, I've always been very empathetic with people. Um, and I think part of it was, I didn't, I didn't want to empathize. I didn't want to. Uh, I feel really much of anything. I just wanted to it to be just twenty four seven fun. I guess uh, I never really, well, as far as myself goes, I never really had a lot of self confidence. I never really thought that I was very good at much. Um, but when you hear the stories the next day of how much fun you were and. Uh, how much you made people laugh, you know, that in itself is also intoxicating. Like when I first started drinking, uh, that's, I would hear that all the time. And it's like, oh, you know, you know, people are enjoying hanging out with me. And I didn't feel like people felt like that um, before that. So, and it wasn't just, you know, people enjoyed hanging out with me. It was, uh, you know, women and ladies that were saying they enjoyed uh you know laughing and hanging out and so it's like that was what kind of drew me in even more so and i I mean i've never felt really attractive so uh getting attention was always something that uh in in and of itself was a drug i guess Mm -hmm. absolutely Absolutely. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome whenever you are with someone who's kind of in the same journey as yourself and being able to reflect back to certain situations, certain memories, certain emotions, and being able to kind of, you know, work through them. Um, It's such an awesome thing as you're building that sobriety community around you, whenever you're diving into other stories, because then you can really pull parts from theirs that are just almost identical to yours. Um, and that's, I think, what makes it easier. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say being sober is easy because it's most definitely not. Um, it's going to always be a long-term battle. Um, 
you just got to, as you're going along, just pick up more tools, pick up more practices that'll help you sustain it. But uh, it's just really awesome. It's rewarding to hear others, to build that community and to be able to relate because it just makes you feel more wholesome. It, you build that sense of community around you. Um, because in all honesty, it's, you know, f- at least from the people I've come across, <laughs> you know, people who abuse alcohol or abuse drugs tend to say, <laughs> you know, FOMO is a huge one to fear missing out. <laughs> oh, yes. And, yes. <laughs> and when it's <laughs> so when you're building that community around you, of people who are experiencing who have experienced, uh, you know, severe FOMO, fear of missing out, it's like, OK, I can relate to that, too. Well, let's. Let's see what, you know, what kind of sober activities we can do together to kind of, um, you know, you know, keep us busy, keep our minds busy. But it's, but yeah, man, it's, it's, that's really cool. It's really cool stuff that's going on, um, obviously in your life, my life as well. And especially during these times, these times that are going on, you know, in society. Um, so so yeah, man, I don't want to get too long-winded on that, but it's it's just a just just good times relatively speaking. Um of course. Yeah, and with what you said about, you know, building the community, I think that's why AA is so popular and it works. True. Because you get to share your stories and yourself with people that won't judge you because if they judge you, they're judging themselves to that point. Um, so yes, that definitely is, uh, it's cathartic hearing other people talk and also have the, the same feelings and, you know, points in the story that also they can, everybody can relate to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's, you know, some people, like I keep, I keep, I keep jumping back to this, you know, this community, you know, and it's, it's. I'll be honest, when I first started my journey, I mean, I'll be the first to say, you know, when I would hear people who were in long-term recovery talk about building the community around yourself and all that stuff, I, it was just something to say, in my opinion. You rolled your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really didn't believe in it. I'm like, where do you find sober people in Wisconsin? (laughs) I'm like, but it's, you just got to look in the right places. You really do. You really just got to look in the right places, and uh, and it's it's coming together. It really is. It's coming together, and I'm just um, I'm in a happy place. Really yeah. am. I really am. Speaking of happy places, uh, <laughs> transitioning from this topic, last weekend Father's Day, <laughs> you know you you and your family came over. And uh, mm-hmm. we had a little, little cookout. Little, uh, we played some games. Uh, you know, we had a good time. Um, how, how was your Father's Day? <laughs> My Father's Day went well, um, very well. Um, um, yeah, you know, obviously everyone knows my son lives in Denver right now, but uh, I'll say uh, opportunity to open up the gift that he got me called him just a great experience. Um, most definitely going to be seeing him here very soon, actually, 
very soon. I'll be heading that way. But Father's Day was good to be around you guys, obviously be around my nephews, um, chat with you, of course, chat with my father, who are all fathers, or who, who both are fathers, and just uh, experience a, you know, love, fun, and, and some games. And, you know, you guys most definitely cheated during kickball. Oh, you're going to jump right to say there. That. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I will say before we get into that, uh, the pictures that we took ended up turning out awesome. Like, um, that's the first, like the first time we really took kind of, you know, portrait style pictures with both boys and, uh, yeah, it ended up being really good. And the, the candid ones that we caught were really really good as well mm-hmm. so um yeah that yeah, was those uh, are the best that that was really fun but let, let's get to this kickball game all right first off <laughs> how do you and your family not know the rules it's baseball how do you not know the rules because, because we don't really know the rules of baseball oh my goodness <laughs> i mean i mean i i I know, I, I will say I know 90% of the rules of baseball. Uh, uh, no, don't don't put yourself that high. <laughs> say 60%. We'll go there. That's fair. 60% of the rules of baseball. But yeah, we obviously weren't able to, you know, transfer or, or those rules over to the game of kickball um, because we don't know the rules of baseball in order to know the rules of kickball. Uh, we know certain rules, of course, but... You know, we kind of were creating our own rules of the game growing up, but my wife was calling them points. I just I don't want to set that there right now for people that know are like, uh, are you kidding me? She was doing what? She called them points every time there was a run scored. Oh, we, I think we have three points to your guys's four. Like, no. It's a run. Oh, what's the difference? I don't see anything. I don't see anything wrong with that. We got five points. (laughs) Well, then you guys didn't know how to play pickup baseball. So, like, I was talking about a ghost runner, and everybody looked at me like, huh? What's that? And I'm like, that's common knowledge. We just switched out. Yeah, if you have somebody who can run, but. You know, if you got three people on base, you got your ghost runner. So yeah, I guess. I mean, it is funny too because I mean, I played kickball a lot when I was like ten or eleven, and and uh, kind of this 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 cul-de-sac, uh, and then in the neighborhood with neighborhood friends, played kickball like every day after school. But I I don't know. I mean, all in all, all I know is that. Uh, you guys cheated. You guys had one more person than us, and that made a huge difference. <laughs> made a huge difference. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, uh, I ended up getting the first pick. It was you and me were captains, and uh, I picked your mom with the first pick. And I said it was because she's taking this serious. She wants to stomp on you guys. What does she do? I mean, yeah, we got her first that bad. <laughs> So, first off, we're talking about who's gonna who's gonna be up to bat first, and he said, "Well, we want to be the home team." 
so we'll be first. Okay, so you get to be in the field. No, we're the home team. I'm like, yes, the home team's in the field because you want the last at-bats. No, we want to kick first. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. Then you kick first. So anyway, so then we come in and your mom is is hitting in the three spot. And she, right before she comes up, she chugs her glass of wine, (laughs) chugs her glass of wine, throws it on the ground, throws throws it it, like dramatically. (laughs) All right. Pitch. <laughs> so dramatic. Pitch the damn yeah. ball. Let's go. <laughs> she had that country accent going oh, on. Yeah. yeah. She she grew up. I mean, she grew up her family pretty poor. So that's all they had is, you know, fields and fields and fields and, and the ball. So they know they they play kickball a lot. So I don't know if she had some flashbacks or what, but she backed it up. <laughs> she 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 did. Although she most definitely did. You know, your Ashley, my wife, was getting really mad at me because uh, apparently I was kicking too hard. I'm like, I'm just kicking. This is how I kick. You're trying too hard. Well, I did hit my teammate twice. Um, you did. So yes, <laughs> it's not like when I'm hitting in, um, you know softball where i could just hit it wherever i want uh i try to kick it wherever i want and it doesn't work that way because my feet don't Mm -hmm. work that way but here's my thing okay what's your thing like kickball kickball was yeah kickball was fun and everything and it was good time good laughs you know i'll admit we lost fair and square it's all good but my goodness it has taken me about four to five days to recover (laughs) from from that's, from simple game of kickball and my gosh oh that's funny so i actually played bear <laughs> and i stepped on a, a thorn like a weed in the grass and it took mm-hmm. like four days to get that out of my foot but that was the only thing that i had uh from that game of kickball so <laughs> the next day your sister goes i'm so sore i can't move I'm like, what are you talking about? Kickball. Kickball made me so sore. <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? We didn't even do anything. <laughs> I don't we don't even know why. We we and we've been working out for a long time too, Months. but it, it's I don't I don't even know why the kickball was just I told I told Ashley, because you guys are working out for show, not for go. <laughs> working out for show not for go but it was it was fun and it was it was a good time then obviously yeah we went inside and played some cards and stuff and it was a good father's day a really good father's day uh still gotta still gotta get my dad his father's day gift Uh oh um well yeah i'm getting his windows tended oh i remember you guys talking about that so he's finding the spot and and I think we're just going to go together, but I'm actually going to see, reach out to him right after this and see if he's found a spot or something, because we got to get that done. He's but. been busy. He hasn't. <laughs> I got you. So yeah, that was, that was father's day. Yeah. That, that was, that was, that was good. Well, um, that was moving good. on from, from that, um, I think, uh, 
we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on the state of society right now because that's mm. such a big topic for the past month on Jeez. Um, you know this show uh first off some positives mississippi both their uh congress and their their state congress and their state senate both passed uh, to remove the Confederate flag from their state flag. So for Mississippi to do that, a very conservative state, that is very positive, I think. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. I think it's very positive. I think whenever I was you know, looking at that, also looking at uh, <clears throat> some other stuff that they're doing, I think one, I can't remember... Maybe it was a university or something has taken Woodrow Wilson's name off of off of one of the buildings or something like that. All in all, I think it's like this is the these are the trends. This is a a trend that I'm very excited um, that has started because I think it's people are waking up and seeing like, okay, yeah, we are, you know, glorifying. You know, people who just had different, you know, views and goals (laughs) that don't align with, you know, allowing for every person in this country to have human rights. Um, So it's, it's just good to see that this stuff is starting to happen. It really is. Um, So it's, 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 you know, obviously not speaking about COVID or anyone who's lost their jobs and stuff, but it's almost exciting times in a way for, for just us as a, as a nation, it seems like we have to take a step back and strip down everything and and kind of rebuild, um, because it, it's you know we we're just asking to have basic human rights here. Period. I uh, the a study was released and I can't remember who did it, but it, it was a um, empirical study and it was by the oh it was by the UN. Hmm. I'm pretty sure it was by the UN. And the 20 largest cities in the United States, their police forces did not meet um, basic human rights level. And wow. uh, it starts with their use of force policies. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, on the world stage, militarily, use of force, just saying that you feel threatened or um, you felt your life was in danger is not enough to use force to kill somebody. Um, that was first and foremost. So, yeah, that is damning to say the least. That is very, that it tells you that we need to take a giant step back and Mm -hmm. refocus how we're doing things. And it doesn't mean vilifying. Um, an entire group of people, which is what we're trying to, you know, take a take a step away from for sure. Uh, putting it putting it mildly, putting it lightly, but it does mean looking at it a lot different from a lot different lens. Being willing to try different avenues for success. Um, one That's one thing point. that you know you look at at the protests that happened that first week, the first two weeks, 
and you saw the violence that was happening, who was perpetrating most of that violence and what were they really protesting when we get it down to the nitty gritty and you're just one line? Like, you know, they were protesting police brutality and who was perpetrating most of the violence in just about every single video but the police. Um, you know, you, you're called... You're called to de-escalate situations a lot of the time. Like, honestly, I don't know what it drops down to, but how often are you called to a, a violent crime as a police officer, let's say, in, you know, not in um, major cities, but uh, mm -hmm. in suburbs and everything. And how often do things escalate because a lot of the time, you know, you give people a little bit of power and they show the kind of person they are. They're going to use it to oppress people. They're going to use it to show that they're somehow better or somehow um, they're somehow above you, I guess, is the way I want to put it. So, uh, that line of thinking is why we are where we are uh i definitely after doing some more research i did say that police officers should be paid more i still think that you can pay police officers more and take money away from their budget because mm -hmm. why do you need tanks and assault weapons why does every officer need an assault weapon um when it comes to all the military equipment that police departments have why do you need that when is there a war like you know we we really need to rethink how having these little militaries inside of these cities um you know it it's not a war these aren't people you're not going out there and it's me against you you know mm -hmm. that's the kind of mindset that we need to move away from as a country. It's not me against you. It's me with you trying to mm -hmm. do right by my family. Sometimes mental health issues happen. Like how, how do we, you know, some, some people are mentally ill, some people episodes, some people, um, they just need their medication. Some people are yep. just trying to stay warm. That's the thing. And I, I think it's, you know, I just, <clears throat> based off just what you said right there is, you know, most people don't even know that, you know, maybe a majority, I'm not going to say all, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic here and say a majority, which is probably not even a majority of police units, you know, precincts have, you know, a mental health units, um, in my field, uh, you know, with what I'm doing now, we most definitely have to know that phone number. Um, the mental health unit here in Madison, Madison, Wisconsin. And I feel like most people, for one, need to know about those units and utilize that unit more than just dialing 911. Um, because in my opinion, you have really, I mean, obviously if it's not a violent crime that you're witnessing or something like that, if you, 
you know, if you're seeing an individual roaming around an area or, or, or loitering or anything, one, you know, one, mind your own business. But two, you know, if obviously if, if this individual is looking suspicious, doing some things that are illegal, and you may notice that they may have a mental health um, issue or what have you, you need to use to utilize the mental health unit because just like you said, officers you know, most officers aren't trained, if not all, are not trained to de-escalate situations, those who are not part of the mental health unit. Um, so, yeah, I think what needs to happen is, I don't know, yeah, defund the <laughs> the police, uh, but I don't know, pour more money into the mental health units. I don't know. Um, I just know that something's got to change. Public housing. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's... Uh, uh, true, exactly. You could put it into... Um, Schools. Absolutely. Schools is a big one, but like, <laughs> you know, right. uh, like temp jobs so that you can help pick people up mm. out of uh, struggles and give them skills that they can put on a resume to try to get another job. There's a lot of different mm-hmm. sectors. Um, I think we talked about it on the last podcast, but like the quality of life um, upgrades that we could do as a city and as a nation that could help everyone like you know there's the saying a uh, rising tide lifts all boats so if you raise everybody up everybody else is going to be raised because it's going to be a happier society you know it and it, it may not just be material which is something that um you know i think a the older generations kind of grasp onto the material uh, wealth, but you know, your mindset, um, having a, a community that has more events that are, are fun that can make, make everybody a little bit more happy to go into it. Um, mm-hmm. You have more people willing to be more outgoing because they're not embarrassed by their situation. Um, just more, more opportunities for people to better themselves is not a bad thing. And I think a lot of that money ends up being wasted. Just like, I mean, you know, there's so many, so many different, um, things that are money wasting that you could point to. Honestly, you know, our military does waste a lot of money. Um, and that's basically what we're doing as a city because it's not working. So we have all this data to show it's not working, uh, to show that it's oppressing groups of people. Why wouldn't we try different things? Like, you know, our infrastructure is so poor. You can't turn off of a main road and have a good road. You know, it, there's so many bumps and, and all we do is throw <laughs> cold patch in it and hope that, oh, it'll last three more years. We threw some cold patch in it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Just look at, you know, like in the utility industry, we everybody looks at PG&E out in California. They haven't done any maintenance on their lines out there. And then the fire started because of the down power lines. They got sued lost a lot of money not to mention all the deaths they caused all the property that got destroyed 
Um, and it's all because of uh, negligence as far as spending money on maintenance. They just wanted to pay their stockholders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much, how much money is enough? How much money do you need like to be happy? At what point should we not be helping everybody else be happy? I, I guess that's, that's my point. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying, man. It's, it's, it really makes, <clears throat> it really makes you think. And, uh, it, it's, it's, it's getting to the point now to where it's, you know, they can, they can no longer find excuses anymore because it's, it's, you know, and I think that's a good thing. We have kind of forced them to exhaust all their excuses and lies, which I think now is why we're starting to see some change because it's gotten to the point now to where it's like you guys are, and I'm obviously talking about, you know, the, some of the, the, the bad cops, the, the, you know, getting to the point now to where it's like you guys are, you know, blatantly murdering people on like live video and not even feeling any type of remorse from it. Um, and, and it, and it's, and something's got to change. And that's why I'm just glad that, like I said, you know, names are being taken off buildings. Um, you know, they're, <clears throat> they're, uh, you know, Mississippi and the flag, and, and all that stuff, it's just a good time right now for us, just like you said, take a step back and kind of reevaluate everything to, to, to where that we can create a better future for, for our children and their children, um, because something's got to change. And I think that it is, I really do. I really, really do. I'm optimistic, of course, but for some reason, like I said before, this time feels different. Well, all this stuff is happening and... It feels like this, <laughs> that these uh, steps should have been, uh, that have been taken the past few weeks should have been taken over the past, I don't know, 50 years. Like, <laughs> what, what are we right. doing? Uh, at least now these steps are, are happening and they're just on their way to big. Like, we can't do this mm-hmm. and say, okay, we did something. Like, no, we need to do it all. We can't, we need to get to a society you know, another positive I'd say is um, I've had people reach out to me to ask questions and uh, to talk about talk about things about our society and um, you know ha- having like what I've seen, what I've experienced, and they're willing to listen. Like that, they're not just mm-hmm. asking these questions, trying to. Uh, refute me or make me seem like uh, you know I'm against my own people. Like I'm trying to make make it better for everybody. Period. Um, that that is a positive. That's something that, that wouldn't have happened even uh, two months ago. So it's we all know it. I mean, it's we're. Black Lives Matter movement, all of the above, is doing an amazing job of really shining that light on the systemic racism, because it's not just, you know, black and brown men and women being murdered by the police. That's just the tip of the iceberg. We're really now starting to dive and see the entire part of the iceberg. Um, 
and and showing it to everybody else where it's, you know, not only are they being, you know, black and brown individuals being murdered by the police. Let's let's dive a little deeper and check out this the entire part of this iceberg and see, oh, what's happening in you know, the workforce, you know, the job development. Let's talk about, you know, people who are slapped with felonies and taking off food stamps, can't find jobs. Wow, are they supposed to work or, or, or get money and all this stuff? It, and I mean, and we're just, like you said, talk about public education um, to, I mean, obviously the pipeline to the prison system. I mean, it's, it's a good time right now, like I said, for us to just reevaluate everything and, and make this place actually you know, the number one country and on the planet. Cause right now we are far from that. Far from that. I agree. I agree. I, it, for me, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to be proud. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> we'll get there. Yeah. We're we'll starting and the conversation has to happen and mm-hmm. people are willing to learn, which is number one. That's the biggest thing. Um, one, one thing I just, I want to say is I really hope that we can get justice for Breonna Taylor and Elijah McClain. Jeez, um, man. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that you have video like that and, uh, nothing has been done. It's mind blowing, ain't it? And it's, it really hit home for me, the, uh, Elijah, um, because, you know, I was living out there last year. I was in Lakewood, which is right next to Aurora, Colorado. And it's just, um, obviously, I'm, I'm speaking about the, the right yep. one, correct? Yes. We've gotten to a point now to where it's, it's, it's hard to, it, it, and it's not funny, of course, but it, it's happening so frequently. It's, it's, but yeah, Elijah was the, the light-skinned individual who I think he suffered from autism as well. But uh you know, yeah, was was walking home, yep. correct? Exactly. Out Five, in North six, Colorado. And it's pounds. just Jeez, man. And that, that's what I'm saying. It, it that could have been possibly me um, when I was living out in Lakewood, which is right next to Aurora, and it's it's getting like physically close to home. Um you know, these situations and it's, yeah, with him, nothing's been done. Brianna Taylor, I am blown away about that situation, how nothing has been done yet. Because people are, uh, well, it's funny how if you just follow the laws and, and, and follow simple commands or demands from officers, you get to go home. Well, Brianna Taylor was sleeping. Explain that one. In her own home. <laughs> in her own home. And the, the officers who burst through the door in in regular clothes or whatever. Never announced themselves. Her boyfriend. Never announced. the Her boyfriend had all the right to fire. So they fired, of course, hit her 20 to 22 times, I believe. And th- they're at home eating steak and stuff that night. And, and nothing has been done. Except they passed the Breonna Taylor law, which meaning no knock, no no knock entries or whatever. Um, but but the officers haven't been arrested. So you passed a law in her name, but the officers who murdered her are still walking scot free. It's 
It's a corrupt system, man. It definitely is. It for sure is. And that's, you're starting to see also one thing that's good is all the, you know, cops speaking out against the bad apples, which is something you didn't see months ago. So that's also something Mm -hmm. that needs to happen. Um, You know, just, just like any job, you you shouldn't be working with unsafe people and people who are, Right. Obviously, um, supposed to be there for not just themselves, but to keep other people safe. Um, that includes when it ha- what happens to other people. I mean, I, you know, if I made a mistake that killed uh, someone who wasn't working on a job site, I would not be. I would not have a job the next day. So instantly instantly would would happen i don't i don't understand and i maybe i need to i don't know educate myself more on the police the union for the police force or what why is the union for the police so strong so so like it's because go ahead so a weak union is a union that not everybody is together not everybody's going to uh Mm -hmm. join hands and follow the police union is so strong right. because they're all together, right? If exactly. if one person gets punished, then they'll stop taking calls. They'll stop. Uh, they'll stop working. You know, <laughs> and then the not just that, but the people outside uh, that are there for mutual assistance will be like, "No, nope, we're not coming." Yeah, we're, we're, if the, only if there's an officer down, will we come in? Like. These are real life examples of saying, what man. has happened. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And it's, and these are obviously the situation that I'm about to bring up right now, are two different states, two different situations, but it's still something that was in the news, top news, headline, whatever. Obviously we got the Breonna Taylor situation that we just mentioned. Three officers are still walking scot-free. They were clearly in the wrong. And that wrong maybe goes up to the DA as well for, uh, and the judge, the judge for allowing the no-knock warrant, you know, signing off on it, DA as well or whatever. Okay, we got that situation. Well, we do know what a year ago or two, I think it was two years ago maybe now, in Minnesota, the black officer who, so a white woman called the police because she heard a woman screaming in the alley. You know, rightfully so. She she dialed nine one one, and it was actually they come to find out it was actually a sexual assault that was happening. Well, long story short, this white woman walks up to the police car when the police car was in the it was in the street, and actually startles this officer. Now, mind you, there was a white officer in the driver's seat, a black officer in the passenger seat. Black officer in the passenger seat gets startled by the white woman, who was the one who called the cops, walking up to the car, and he fired his firearm over top of the the driver's like lap <laughs> and struck the woman and killed her they fired that man so fast rightfully so and rightfully so absolutely and i mean this i don't even i don't even think the smoke was even done leaving the barrel and and this dude was in handcuffs or whatever and you know, fired and going through the the process of obviously, you know, being in jail as as rightfully so. He most definitely should. But all I'm saying is, if they can do that for this situation, and again, two different states, I understand that. 
but we, we need to have something to where they can go, okay, look, if they, we can do it here, we can do it there in Louisville with the three officers who killed Breonna Taylor. I mean, we, we got enough evidence and proof that they fired 20 times and killed someone who was sleeping. But again, I, I get, I get way into it and I get frustrated. It's, it's just what calms my blood pressure down is we're making significant strides. We just got to keep it going. For sure. And uh, in case anybody's wondering, like, you know, we'll be, we'll be talking about this for a long time because it's, it's not just important. It's not just personal, but um, it's history, man. There, It's the it's 19, just... it's the 1960s, the civil rights act. Uh, and you know, it's going to go further mm-hmm. than that even. So, uh, mm-hmm. there is a right side and a wrong side. So be on the right side. There is, uh, you know, and in some more hopeful news, uh, we mentioned I was going <laughs> to go on a, a Rob Manfred rant, but baseball's coming back, baby. And so is basketball. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe for both, both it's sports, huh? For, if Florida, anything, I could see so baseball stupid. happening. Gosh, what is that state doing? They're popping up like 44,000 new cases and a day. Denying it. <laughs> uh, like, why is that state always just so backwards? I don't. I don't. Gosh. I don't, I, <laughs> Texas is uh, doing worse than Florida is. So it's it's scary. This isn't even the second wave that they were talking about. This is still the first. And, Unreal. you know, we stayed at home for two months and it's all been for nothing. All for nothing. We're going to eventually go back to phase one. We're going to have to a lot sooner than we, we had hoped to. Cause I, you know, for, for wave two, we were probably going to go back to phase one, but we're talking in the fall. We're about to hit phase one. I think within the next month. Phase one again, shutting down. And it, it's sad. You got all these other countries that are opened that are, you know, almost completely and totally back to normal. And you have the United States, which is uh, closing testing sites in the middle of setting records for most positive cases in a day throughout so many states. And for, for a long time, Wisconsin actually was one of the few states that was decreasing like i think there were three states decreasing Mm -hmm. and now after this weekend um yeah we're back increasing again too so very soon very soon dine-ins are going to be shut down and all these people who are like well it's been two months and we need small businesses open well you didn't wear a mask so congratulations now those small businesses are definitely going to go out of business because of people who were selfish and didn't wear a mask. I read something the other day that, you know, obviously I'm not saying this is all right, but it made me think, I mean, this country, man, obviously the numbers are showing and, and, and obviously us, you know, seeing videos of people out partying and all that stuff. This country, man, doesn't care because we, unfortunately, 
and I'm not speaking for myself or even you as well, but obviously individuals out there don't care. They believe wearing a mask and practicing social distancing, super small inconveniences they don't care to do in order to protect their neighbor or protect family members and stuff. They don't want to do it. They don't want to inconvenience themselves for the safety of, safety of others. We do not do that in this country, unfortunately. When and, and it's, it's not all about we; it's all about me. <laughs> yep, that's what's showing right now because you got all these other countries, and yeah, their numbers. I mean, obviously, these these other countries, you know, they don't have three hundred and eighty million people, but it's just basic statistics percentages. You know, you got countries that have eighteen million people, but are their spike, they're only spiking by like 5%, 4%, 3%, maybe, you know, we're jumping up. I mean, cases are, you know, through the, you know, just through the roof. And yeah, we just need to take a step back and just check ourselves, really. I would say since, honestly, probably, um, I'm trying to think what it would be. Oh, uh, six, oh, seven, we've, United States has been kind of going through an existential crisis and this is definitely coming to a head right now. Um, Hmm. Yeah. But however, as it pertains to baseball and basketball, um, (laughs) so basketball has like this really weird, like tournament style almost where all the teams are going to Disney world they're basically going to be in a bubble. Um, they're only going to interact with teammates and follow social distancing and wear masks and then play on the court. Um, no fans, just like basically all you need to run games. And then they're playing. I can't remember how many games it is. And then they get seated and then they have like a tournament, um, which is honestly really creative, which is what you needed right now. Mm-hmm. However, uh, some players are opting out due to health concerns, due to uh, you know family concerns and stuff like that, and that was uh, bargained for for the players. But the the way it, all it's going to take is you know one star player getting it, and you just have to shut a team down. And mm-hmm. at what point do you? Is it no longer like a league anymore? You know, it, it, let's say you lose the right. Lakers. Somebody on the Lakers gets it, or the Bucks, right. the top two teams in the league. Like top two, if you you have to shut those teams down, so they're out of it. How, how, how are you gonna justify that? I guess. Um, one thing, I'm sure they have some sort yeah. of plan. Some, I'm sure they got depth, depth, and there's layers to to how they're going to execute this, you know, fallout plan for sure. Weave it down uh, however they need to, to keep it going. But, but still though, I think once they exhaust all their, you know, plan B, plan C, plan D, it's, it's <laughs> at some point they got to be like, all right, we just got to stop this. S- same with baseball. <laughs> like, um, you know, they have a 60 game season, which is a hundred games fewer than they normally have 102 to be exact. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you take this season to be the same as other seasons? Like the reason there's 162 games is because baseball 
has a lot of randomness to it. I would say even more so than basketball. Football, I would say, is probably the most random sport. And that's a one and done. So that's kind of crazy to me. But baseball, pretty much, because there's so many games and because in the playoffs they have the series, the best teams end up coming out on top at the end of the season. doesn't always end up being that way, but it's a lot harder to sustain luck for 162 compared to, you know, 16 in football or uh, even, I mean, basketball has a lot of games too. So you end up getting the top teams, but you know, it's still not to the level of baseball. Um, I tell you what, with the whole, with the whole 60, 60 games, right. Baseball's doing it would be awesome to me if they had if it it was if it was a success, you know, the sixty games, the their playoffs, whatever. Obviously, the World Series, and then they just took this model and and implemented it for the forever. Um, because I always had a problem with, obviously, this goes against exactly what you just said. But for me, I always had a problem with there being so many games in baseball. Because I, I I appreciate the sport now, being older and understanding, you know, how, how, you know, some of the the, the craft. The, the skill that goes into it. Yeah, I will give you credit for that. But for me, it's like, I really want to get into baseball, but I'm sorry. I don't have time to follow 162 game season, you know, with the Cardinals. That's, I don't, that's why I'll so, just catch the, the last part of the season in the playoffs. I don't but, fault anybody for just catching the last part of the season in the playoffs and just like following standings like once a month until then. Right. Um, I've said, you know, if, if you could cut it to 120 games, I think that would solve a lot of problems. Um, you could put more days off in between. You'd have a lot less injuries, a lot of less wear and tear on players. Um, so the pitchers would really like I it. I think that, yeah, yeah, I they'd probably, you'd probably see them in just as many games. So you'd probably have a, less of a rotation. Right. Um, I think 60 is just too few um but at the, at the Pro- same probably because you probably. think about it i mean it's less than you know 300 batting average which is the NBA you know getting a hit three out of ten times that you're up and honestly like a mm-hmm. 360 to 400 on base percentage which means that you know that amount of time out of 10 you're getting on base uh, which would be like a walk or hit by pitch. That's that's a high failure rate. So if you're going through struggles and you have that few games, you know, a third of your season is over while you're still trying to figure out um, some consistency. So I think you do need a lot of games to get that, um, to get the consistency, to get the uh, – the values that come out, right? But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I I think right. it, it's going to make for an interesting season. I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of teams that might have struggled last year be built for a small season like this. Um, you're going to see teams take a lot of different methods. You already had like the Tampa Bay Rays because their their payroll is so small compared to. Uh, the teams in their division, first and foremost, which have the two big, two of the three biggest juggernauts in it, and the Red Sox and the Yankees, who spend the most money, uh, they do a lot of 
experimentation. They do a lot of uh, math-based um, strategies that work. So mm-hmm. you, you got a team like that that they 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 have to scout well because they have to draft well and develop players well. Not to mention they have to you know win at pretty much every trade they make they have to win and if they don't win, it's a a huge setback to the franchise. Like I'm kind of a Tampa Bay Rays fan. Um, on the other side, you know, as in my AL team because I'm obviously a Brewers fan number one. Um, but compared to the Brewers even, like the Rays payrolls so much smaller. So what they do with their talent, it's it's you know, it's inspiring. Like um so what they could do in a shortened season like this and what Council and Stearns have done with the Brewers also could be interesting too, because Council with his bullpen, the way he mixes and matches players, the way he uses even his lineup sometimes, um, it's very progressive in terms of baseball strategy. Council's been a better manager than um, I could have ever imagined. So I really hope that he continues and will forever get the benefit of the doubt because as a player, he's so beloved. Um, I'm glad to see the success he's having as a manager. Uh Baseball is going to be super interesting. I really, really like, and I'm really hopeful that we do have both these leagues come back because mm-hmm. it's fun to talk about. I want to have fun things to talk about again. <laughs> right. It's, it's, yeah, we've been really missing sports, talking about it, checking stats, watching it, of course. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I hope they make it work, that being with baseball and basketball. But my goodness, um, the unions are most definitely going to, you know, obviously if they see, you know, they're taking the safety of the players first. And, and it's, 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 I'm hopeful. I'm hoping that it happens, but I, I, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't see it happening. I don't see it going on to the end. I'll tell you that. Um, Especially now, you're already seeing teams that are, you know, X amount of players are already testing positive, and it's like, okay, I mean, if, if how do you how do you what happens if, especially with basket or yeah basketball teams, it's, you know, they're actually sweating on each other literally yeah. during a game. It's their hair, their hair when they swing their head, their hair, you know, sweat comes from their head. It's like if if smaller locker rooms like. What happens if seven players have COVID? Safe to say, then the whole team has COVID. Um, yeah, then what? Exactly yeah. what you said. I mean, earlier. let's say then you what? lose Giannis or um, yeah, LeBron or you, you know all these players right. <laughs> that are indispensable, Kawhi to their teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just shifts the balance of yeah, power what? for the whole league. And then for the Bucks, the situation couldn't be worse um, because they're similar to, you know, the Rays or the Brewers. They don't have a gigantic payroll like the Lakers. Um, so to have drafted and developed Giannis into the monster that he is now, um, you know, Giannis doing that for himself, and then they drafted Chris Middleton too, and. Um, Giannis is on the last year of his deal. 
And he has come out mm-hmm. and said, if the Bucks don't live up to expectations, which his expectations are a title, uh, he's going to seriously think about moving on. You know, the Bucks had Ray Allen in his prime, and they traded him. And from the moment that they traded him, they <clears throat> they have struggled until they got Giannis. Um, they kind of lived in that, um, you know, mediocre purgatory, so they never really got a lottery pick. But before they traded Ray Allen, they were contending for an Eastern Conference title. And then they traded him. And there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of off-the-court reasons they traded him, but still, it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm hopeful it'll happen. We got soccer over in Europe, which Christian Pulisic, who mm-hmm. anybody's paying attention, is has a chance to be the best American player ever. Like, he's very close to already being the best American player ever. He's dominating for Chelsea in the most competitive soccer league, arguably, in the world. Premier League. Premier League. I mean, Liverpool just I told you, though, right? when you were talking about FIFA, Liverpool's dominant, Liverpool. man. <laughs> Liverpool just won the the Premier League Cup, I believe, and that's LeBron's team, ain't it? He, yeah, I think he yeah. owns a good chunk of that that team. My gosh, he's just making money all over the place. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people I follow on Twitter are actually Liverpool fans, so like I've kind of become a Liverpool fan before they got this good. Aww, it was before they got this good. I've been, Liverpool, I've been liber- you know, listening to them talk about it. Liverpool fans coming Listen, out the woodworks. This, I'm not I'm saying it was before. <laughs> Obviously, I'm following Christian Pulisic okay. <laughs> a little bit too, but uh, uh-huh. yeah, it's it. From what I gather from the past few years, uh, Liverpool has been a kind of a, a development club instead of being like a, a, a Manchester City or a Chelsea that pay right. for the high price players other people Top other people players. that develop them kind of like the Yankees or the uh, um the Lakers you know they, they end up getting all these people who are in their prime instead of developing them um that that's kind of Chelsea and Manchester United. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. At least we have something we could possibly follow. You know, Americans could get into soccer, but. Mm-hmm. I love soccer. So, yeah, I most definitely love it. Gives us something. Like we said, we, we need we need something. Uh, obviously, safety is number one. But, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll remain hopeful that something comes about. Um but I won't be surprised. I won't be upset if they have to shut it back down due to the yep. player's safety. Um, obviously, we know that that's number one because speaking of Giannis, you know, God forbid, but, you know, he, he catches it, but he, he, has a, he yeah. has a newborn, you know, young and at home. So it's we obviously have to worry about not only the players, but their Definitely. families. So, well, hopefully they make it work. But all in all, I'm just going to gear towards – they're not being in these sports, so I'm just going to start developing a plan B of what my escape well, is going to be. <laughs> you know, we, we, we already have that. We've been talking about it. That's true. Vigia games. <laughs> true. So, Very you true. and I are both playing The Last of Us 2. 
how far into it Indeed. are you? How many hours have you put yeah. in? Yeah, I'm about 10 to 11 hours. Um, been taking my sweet old time with this one, just soaking it all in. It's, I, you know, this game has a lot of depth to it, many layers. You know, you play a lot of video games that maybe have just a second layer, some maybe even a third. But here, for some reason, it seems like we're, we got five, six, seven, eight layers of just depth to it with emotion, with the storytelling, with the character building. To I mean, it's like we're literally watching a movie and controlling a movie. Um, how they're connecting part two to part one. I mean, it's just remarkable. All the effort that you can tell that Na- Naughty Dog <clears throat> put into this is quite the treat honestly it's one heck of a video game yeah i'm i think i'm like just under 15 hours but i think that we're at the same point because i explore if there's an open building i'm going into it and i'm gonna find i'm gonna get to every door to the to unlock um you know i've got all of the skill trees available for me to um upgrade i i've actually got two of them completed uh i i i've got a lot of the collectibles um the the world so it's a bleak world um but it feels so alive like i i love the world and the the rules that they created i like how they're bending some of the rules um, in mm-hmm. this game, like there's been a couple times where, uh, I felt safe. So like I, I go to craft something and then something pops out or like, uh, there's a specific, um, upgrading thing you do and, uh, you, you are made to believe it's safe, but it, it's not at this one point. And that's, I think that's really cool. I love disappearing in the world. I love the story, the emotion that they're capturing on faces and in the cutscenes, and not just the cutscenes, but like uh, when you're exerting yourself as a character. Like if you spin it around and and look at Ellie's face, like she's really ex- you could see it on her face that she's exerting herself. It's it's incredible what they yep. captured there, but. Uh, I think I, I think we're at about the halfway point. Um, I think so. Too. So that I I just <clears throat> both times the past couple weekends I've put the put the game down. It's not because I'm done with it, but because I know I need to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's 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 one of those games, man. It's they they put a lot of time and effort into it, and, I, and I'm. You know, we're just appreciating it, you know, as, as video game, you know, you know, heads or whatever. We, we're, this, this is, <laughs> this is that game that just is, you know, it sticks with you for sure. I'm constantly thinking about it. I'm wondering how it's going to end or, or, you know, what's going to develop it. Um, it's just, it's just a good game all around really really good game um and i'm I'm really enjoying it and liking it and um the notes that they put in to uh for you to find mm, like you you have it in the first time it's like environmental storytelling so they build emotion through these notes they're just notes that you read and that's so 
incredible. Like, I can't believe they're able to do that. Um, it, Like, from the first game to this game, the reason that the stories are kind of set apart are the character development, like the character interactions. Like, that's where they really, they get you to buy in is, you know, you start caring yeah. about these characters. And it's not just the character, the main character. It's these side characters too. It's uh yeah, I'm 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 definitely I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Another one so. on the horizon, Ghost of Tsushima, which is in twenty days. I'm hoping that game is good because that could be a great palate cleanser for what this is, you know, like kind of a straightforward narrative to like an open world, you create somewhat of your own story, but there's still a really cool story in there to be told as well. I'll have to check that one out. I'm, I'm, uh, Ooh, what, 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 what other game was I looking forward to? I can't, Oh, well, I mean, I, I've, I already have it, but I have not started it yet. God of You're War. You're going to like that um, game. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I beat, obviously, Last of Us Part Two, I'm gonna just switch right over to God of War, and uh, you know, beat that one as well. It's it's so I got I got that game in the holster, um, but it's um, looking forward to seeing what this PS5 is gonna cost to see what's up. Oh yeah, see what's up with yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, same same with the Xbox. It'll be interesting to see what they have because they got something planned up their sleeves that'll be. It'll be very interesting to see. So that, yeah, I think that uh, once again the rising tide lifts all boats. So competition is healthy, um, especially when you approach mm. it as healthy competition. So that's uh, yeah, it's 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 exciting to see what's going to happen in the next month or so. And uh, I'm really loving loving this story. I'm excited to see what other stories can be uh, brought to brought to our lives to give us a distraction because we all need it right now. So, uh, we know, do. we're, we're a little long in the tooth here and we actually got some questions. <laughs> uh, so I guess, you know, let's leave, uh, the animals for next week. But, uh, we, we got some, we got a question from Dan, the man, if you remember, <laughs> remember they called themselves. Remember Damn that man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Gosh darn it. I'm. I'm. You know. Feel some. Uh, here we go. All right. What's your all-time favorite game and your favorite gaming system? Also, congratulations to Dan the Man on a uh, newborn baby. So ho- hopefully you can get some sleep here shortly. Yeah, congrats, congrats on that. So, favorite, favorite console and favorite game on I, that. Console? I would say, first question is all time favorite game. Second question is, what's your all time favorite console? Ooh. So for me, that's my oof, yeah. Go ahead. I gotta think. Right now <laughs> is God of War, the reboot. It's, okay. The way that that combat was perfect, the way that the camera was perfect, uh, the 
the characters interacting and the story was just, it was mind blowing. Um, I know, you know, it's really recent, but that is my all time favorite game. Okay. Obviously that's on PlayStation. PS4. Yep. Okay. For me, ah, man, it's tough because it's, like I really love Last of Us. I like really, really love this game. I have not played God of War yet, but um, I get it. So for me, right now, I think it's going to change. You know, obviously, I think once I get to the end of this part two of Last of Us, but as of right now, I think Last of Us part. I think Last of Us, you know, one and two is in a close second, but number one still Ocarina of Time. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time in 64. N64 is your favorite console? Ooh. Right? So, so that's a tough for me. Okay. Okay. If you want me to go first. <laughs> I think. I think it's. No. I think Ocarina of Time is still my favorite game of all time, but I still think of my favorite consoles is, is the PS4 at the moment. Yeah. PlayStation 4. You know, I think obviously so, PS5 would be I better, would but say, it's not out yet. Mm-hmm. I would say the I think the PS4 pound for pound has the best games as far as uh I mean just right. every single first party game that's always come out with this generation has been unbelievable. I would say my second favorite game of all time is Bloodborne. Um and that's because of the combat mm-hmm. and the gameplay. You know, it, it's so good. It's so addicting. It's perfect. Um, I think, uh, so I think the console with my favorite memories is the Xbox 360 because of Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare 2, and uh, Halo. Halo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but my Halo favorite sure. gaming console of all time is Super Nintendo. That okay. just has the classic games that I love to go back to. And I'm kind of cheating because right. you have Mario All-Stars, which has the best games from, you know, the previous, the original Nintendo. And you can play that on the Super Nintendo. So that's probably my favorite. And then, you know, it starts the Mario Kart and all that good stuff. But yeah, those are... That was some really good questions. I know, you know, the Danimal, we're kind of skipping your your question again this week, but uh, hopefully we can get to it next week because you got some good ones in there. I think it's tough to... I think it's tough just to, to, to say what's your favorite console, to have an answer to that. Because now you got me really thinking. I mean, I say PS4, but but yeah, the memories that are attached to... The N sixty four, but and also the the three sixty. I mean, those memories are, you know, locked in my brain forever. I mean, it's just pure euphoria when it comes to rushing home from school and hopping on three sixty to play some Halo two with twelve of your friends, fourteen of your friends who are online, or you know, waking up and you know, throwing in some Super Smash Brothers and you know, playing with your cousins or your friends and stuff and, and playing that game for hours, you know, on the N64. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, there's some gems out there. 
There's some gems out there in the N64 and the 360. For for sure. sure. But, I mean, the original Xbox just, you know, linking all your Xboxes together to play the first Halo and the second Halo. (laughs) You know, we lost a lot, a lot, a lot of hours doing that. Mom, the meatloaf. The meatloaf. The meatloaf. Oh. So many hours. All right. We should probably wrap this up. Uh, You know, we we appreciate you guys. you can find us at Untapped Keg on Twitter. Uh, we have a subreddit, Untapped Keg, um, untappedkeg.com. Uh, find us on Facebook, Untapped Keg. If you search Untapped Keg, you'll find us. Uh, where can they find you, Monts? Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys can find me on Twitter at, at MonteBall28, uh, Instagram, MonteBall, obviously the Untapped page. Um, as well, message us, send us questions, um, topics, anything, and we most definitely love to address them and answer them and get you guys involved. Yeah, we definitely love to uh, answer questions. We just got a little caught up in this episode, and there's a lot to talk about. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at it's trickster. The Iron Trickster's a one. Um, I. You know, even if you want to shoot a message that you want us to respond to, like in private, um, you know, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. you want to talk about, we're, we're open to talk about. Uh, you know, one thing that we have been and will continue to be is try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because even if we fail, at least we're trying. So, mm, there um, it is. Everybody there have a good is. week and uh, we love you guys. Yes, indeed. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.